Welcome to Social Business Builders, and my name is Craig Dearden Phillips. On this podcast, we showcase a new generation of outstanding people who've made it their mission to build a business that creates extraordinary social impact. On Social Business Builders, you'll hear their true stories, up close and personal, warts and all. This will give you ideas and inspiration as you build social impact into the heart of your business or startup. So pull up a chair, grab a coffee, and join me and the Social Business Builders. Liam Black is a social entrepreneur's social entrepreneur. After nearly becoming a priest and spells overseas teaching, in the 90s, Liam led the scaling of Liverpool's Furniture Resource Centre, turning it into the poster boy of the new social enterprise movement before moving to London to help Jamie Oliver set up 15. From here, at the ripe young age of 48, Liam co-founded Wavelength, a leadership development programme like no other that brought together leaders from all sectors to learn from the world's very best organisations. This took him to Tesla, Google and Zappos, as well as social businesses like Grameen and Aravind. Liam also helped pioneer the now-familiar world of impact investing with his work both for Lightrock and Centrica Innovations, raising and investing tens of millions of pounds in purpose-led businesses, which now arguably represent the future of the world. He's presently Executive Chair of Mental Health Business Together All and on the board of the Amani Institute. On top of this, he's written two marvellous books and his third, Gloves Off Mentoring, is out later this year. He loves to spend time with his four grandchildren, is about to celebrate 40 years of marriage to Maggie, who diverted him from the priest thing, and in our meeting we dive deep into Liam's experiences and ask what he learned and what you can learn as a leader about trying to make a bigger impact and why he begins one of his books talking about anxiety. Welcome, Liam. Thank you very much. If you hang, if you hang, if you hang around long enough, you can fit quite a bit in. <laughs> it's great to see you. And um, Liam, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of start at the beginning, really, um, with you and, and your life. I always think that there's a saying that, show me a child at seven and I'll show you the man. Who was who were you as the child, and what influenced you as the man? Oh, so when I was seven, that was the year I made my first Holy Communion. Uh, that's the first thing I, I thought about. So I grew up in a, uh, you know, my parents came over from Ireland in the late fifties, part of the sort of you know wave of Irish migration out of a you know, very poor, um, in some ways quite backward country in Ireland. Uh, my mum brought us up on her own. Uh, so when I was seven, I was uh, going to uh, St. James's Catholic School, made my first um, Holy Communion and was uh, being brought up by my mom on her own with my, with my sister and my brother. Um, and I think that, uh, I mean, how have those things influenced me? I, I think that the Catholic formation, even though I sort of left Catholicism uh, behind a long time ago, there's no doubt that it helped shape my worldview, a sense of, you know, sort of, duty and obligation to 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 do some good in the world um there's no doubt about that again thinking about my when i was seven one of the things we used to do in in, in the um in the classroom was if you brought some money in you were able to give a baptismal name to a child in africa and i recently found um mm-hmm. the little uh, little pictures that we got and you know just horrendously sort of imperialistic and racist and uh, condescending however I think that the that, that sort of sense of solidarity outside yeah. your own environment um, uh, it w- was very important, and Africa would feature quite a lot in, in into my twenties. So yeah. when I was seven, I was uh, you know I think quite quite an anxious little boy. Um, mm. the, the impact of you know mm. being brought up in the environment I was in you know w- w- wasn't ideal. Although my mum was fantastic and love love her load. So. That that was my that was my upbringing. Um, yeah. And the extent to it formed me as a man. I think that you know that that you talked about me becoming a priest. Obviously, the oldest son in an Irish Catholic family. You know, the best thing you can do for your mammy is become a priest. And um, I, I, I thought that's what I wanted to do, and went off to uh, college to study theology and uh, English. And that's where I met Maggie. So yeah. it had a so it had yeah. a, a big impact in the trajectory. Um, that my life um, has gone on. It's, it's gone on, and, and, and Liam, you, you mentioned anxiety, and and you know, I, I've I've 
I've long <laughs> I've long harboured a theory that it certainly applies to me that that kind of trauma in life you know be it as child or or teenager kind of informs the lives of many social entrepreneurs it it, it has it somehow sets the course on some level uh, would 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 that apply to you on any level do, do are you a product of 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 trauma in any I way say, i would say um the let me put it like this the sort of men that were in my life when i w were growing up were, weren't the best role models um and uh i you know grew up without any really strong male decent role models in my life that's for sure yeah. and, I, and i think that um that has had a big impact on me i think one of the reasons why i've done a lot of work over the years particularly with young people is that there must there must be something going on there about wanting yeah. to you know uh, uh, be a decent father figure to other people given that i i really didn't have one but you know, mm -hmm. i'd be uh, mm -hmm. loath to be to get to deep into the psychology of that um uh, on the subject of anxiety uh, uh, you know I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment or trying to write a book at the moment on mentoring um and um in the in the chapter looking at the sort of meant the stress that a lot of uh, people that i work with are under whether they're running a big mm. private business mm. or they're running a non-profit i was rereading my journals from my 20s and 30s yeah. i've kept a journal since i was um just turned 20 and I was actually quite shocked at the expressions of my anxiety and loneliness and, you know, yeah. a feeling that I was, I was very much on my yeah. own uh, against the world kind of thing. And, yes. But I think if you'd said to me at that time, and even up until relatively recently, I think, if you said to me, you know, Liam, you, you, you know, you have lived with anxiety, I would have said, nah, nah, no, I haven't, no, I haven't, I'm actually fine. Hmm. But, I, but, I, but I think that I have. And I think that I think, you know, it's never become disabling. I've never, you know, um, uh, it's never sort of put me out of action, as it were. But I think that it's definitely something that, because of my experience, I'm very alive to in the mm -hmm. mentoring that I do and in the, you know, the people that I have responsibility for in the businesses that I'm involved with is that, you know, the, 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 the pressure that yes. le leaders are under and particularly, you know, people who've created their own businesses yes. can be extreme. And, and very debilitating. So I'm on the look, look out for it. So, so absolutely, I think anxiety has been a, a, a companion of mine uh, for a long time. And as you say, in that mm. social entrepreneurs A to Z, when <laughs> someone's, you know, which came out of a talk, I guess, yes. someone shouted out, hey, it's for anxiety. What, what's A for? The first thing that came into my mind was anxiety. And, yeah. uh, I, and I guess there's a good reason for that. Yeah, it's it's certainly been part of my 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 makeup all my life, and and sometimes I, I sometimes wonder what came first, you know, the the base anxiety or the or the anxiety that came through through the stuff I then chose to do. And, and do 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 you think, Liam, that you know, so social entrepreneurs are anxious people, or that social enterprises tend to make or, or setting up businesses leading businesses makes people anxious or do you think it's a bit of both what's your what's your I, sense of that because my anxiety is a bit of a driver as well i think I, I think so i think i think it can be a driver it can be that thing that gets you out of bed that makes you prepare very well um it's kind of in my in my uh, sort of experience of it it's kind of linked a bit to uh it's a bit of a, an old hackneyed phrase but that imposter syndrome that yes. sense of actually what's this working class boy doing this for and they're going to find mm. you out that you had a pretty mm you know second rate education and so on which is which is actually true i did <laughs> um um so uh, yeah and i i think that i think that if you're trying to bring about any sort of change whether it's you know a, hu a huge level or just just around you you're trying to do something that people haven't done before and if you're trying to create a, a genuine sort of culture in which the commercial realities of are people buying this stuff are we in control of the money yeah. are we making yeah. any uh, profit here yeah. at the same time as trying to you know support young people give them a transformational yeah. opportunity and you've gone out of your way to recruit the sorts of young people for example that haven't got the skills you really require in the kitchen to help with the commercial side of things yeah yeah um that is going to lead to uh, levels of sort of stress and uncertainty um, and anxiety and and, and certainly the, um, the, the social entrepreneurs that I've worked with, and I've been very privileged to have worked with loads of them over the years, and including knowing you, Craig, and you've done outstanding work, is I think there is a, 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 an interesting mix of confidence, belief, mission, 
um, ambition alongside imposter syndrome, sense of anxiety, um, sense of, you know, someone's going to find me out one of these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's okay because we're all complicated human yeah. beings. What's not okay, and uh, and this is certainly would have been my experience in my 20s and 30s if my journal was anything to go by, <laughs> what's not okay is to just not acknowledge that and deal with the negative sides of it. And I think yes. that is really much better today than, you know, when I was, you know, sort of blundering around the place in my 20s and early 30s was that it's much more um, acceptable and the right thing to do to talk about these things out loud. Um, yes. And uh, so, and I do that a lot with the people I mentor and the people I'm um, around because I think part of my role now is helping give voice, helping people give voice to that and where I can helping. Yeah, thank you, Liam. And you alluded there to your your your, your 20s and 30s, and let's 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 take us forward to Liverpool, where you cut your teeth as a social entrepreneur, if you like. Derek Hatton, riots, <laughs> mass unemployment, managed decline. Yeah. And yeah. you, and I you, mean, yeah. And, and it's a, yeah, in, in the middle of this, you know, you, you, you help to, to grow a social business. What, talk, talk about that. Tell us well, that. We, it was, it was um, utter serendipity uh, that we ended up in Liverpool. Went there in my sort of mid-twenties, having been abroad teaching. Um, and just a complete unexpected that we ended up in Liverpool. And I went there with a one-year contract um, uh, with the Archdiocese of Liverpool. This was still during my uh, um, yeah. uh, sort of... Priestly period. Well, my belief, I was married by then, so the priestly yeah. thing had gone. But certainly during my sort of, you know, very... Um, yeah, my believer period, if you call it yes. that. Yes. Um, and um, I had a one-year contract, and we ended up staying for 20 years. And Liverpool mm. has been a really really important part important part of my formation and learning about social enterprise and, and, and a lot about myself and I got involved with FRC because I, I was I was um, got involved with crisis the homelessness mm. funding charity which is yes. still going this is, yeah. this, is year, this is a long time ago now and I had responsibility for the north of England so I spent half and Northern Ireland I spent half my year fundraising yeah. and the rest of the year giving that money away. And we found that we just, um, we, and we were very good fundraisers. It was a big Sunday Times appeal every year and so mm. on. And we found that uh, we literally couldn't give all the money away. It was, a, it was very much a grant-making um, mm. foundation at that time crisis. And the board said to us, why don't we be more, be more proactive and go out there and find um, uh, uh, interesting uh, projects that could scale and have a, a bigger impact on single homelessness. Mm. And that's how I found um, the, the Furniture Resource Centre. I held a, a big sort of consultation meeting in Manchester Town Hall in 92, something like that. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I came across FRC. And then with Nick Francis and Robbie Davison, who were the two founders, we kind of clicked. And that, you know, and I think we were both, we were all coming from that place of, God, we're a bit sick of having to do all this fundraising. Is there another way of achieving um, our the social purposes of the organization which were to get furniture into the homes of impoverished people and create yes. work for unemployed scousers and so uh, the a, a real catalyst for that was i think it was about 200 grand something like that that yeah. we put in and that was the that was part of the transition that led then in the mid 90s <laughs> to the organization being relaunched um as a uh, as a moving away from a philanthropy model and moving to an earned income um, yeah. model. So to be clear, this was this was basically setting up a trading entity that that, yeah. that functioned commercially, um, employed people, and didn't rely at least a hundred percent anyway on on any kind of um, any kind of handouts, basically. Yeah, and I remember visiting um, you know some of the foundation. So I went onto the board once the yeah. um, uh, th that money had been uh, come into the organisation from crisis, and I went onto the board you know as part of the terms of that um, engagement, and basically fell in love with the place and with the organisation mm. and, and the possibilities. Um, and um, yeah, and that that was the, the transition. I remember going down with Nick to see various foundations, saying, "Look, this is the trajectory we've set ourselves on." is to move away from you know the kindness of strangers to a more sort of market facing uh, model and saying to some of the foundations down there look if you and we and we need i can't remember what it was then but let's say it was plus or minus half a million to make that shift you know look uh, uh, can, can you help us with that 
and I promise you'll never see us again, either because it will have worked and we won't need your support, or we'll be so ashamed that it hasn't worked <laughs> that uh, you know we we'll never darken your door again. And 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 people trusted us, and so in 19, June 1994, uh, by the banks of the Mersey, we launched uh, the New Look um, uh, organization, and then yeah. spent two years lying awake at night worrying about it uh, with the massive support of the Co-op Bank. But then eventually we got there and we got our act together. And then it, it moved into profitability yeah. and was able yeah. then to scale and and it's still going strong today today many many years after i left it so it's yeah we so reflecting back liam so you know because this in a way was like social enterprise mark one wasn't it it was it was it was one of the first of them when you look back on that model now and you you, you think about that time and what you did do you think that what what do you what do you what do you think you learned about social business in that time did you did, so much. When you look back, what's your thinking about that now? You're learning from that time now. Do you think? I think the big, the biggest, absolute. So we made every mistake in the book. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like we should write a book. I should write a book called "Every Mistake in the Book." You know. So you know, we <laughs> we you know, I made some. I made some terrible. And by that time, I was the chair, and then I took over from um, Nick, um, chief the, the, yeah. the chief exec, in ninety. 96 or 97 it was something something like that um but we made every mistake in the book you know uh, i remember saying, where's all our money where's all the money gone <laughs> and then we walk around the warehouses and see it all on the shelves you know we just all yeah. of that stuff about scheduling and stock control and all inventory that. We, yeah inventory yeah uh, we uh, we had to learn so that 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 was great learning but i think fundamentally the biggest learning that i have which i still use in everything that i'm involved in is about culture Okay. Um, I, and how naive I was at the beginning of this this process when I took over as CEO that you know just not being um, uh, not saying enough, not understanding what was going on, that the culture of the organisation was tr was changing, yes. and that, that it would need to change at every level. The sorts of people we had on the board, the sorts of people we had in exec positions. Uh, just everything like that, and, and I made so many mistakes, which led to me you know, falling out with people because I was insufficiently clear about the direction that we were we yeah. were going in. So yeah. I think, you know, I try and bring this into everything you know, I've done since is like real clarity about what the purpose of the organisation is, what the business model of the organisation yes. is, who needs to be doing what, and put and 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 so important for the leadership. To see culture and the maintenance and uh, of a, of a positive socially entrepreneurial culture yes. being, being number one. I think if you can get that right, yeah, then I mean it sounds a bit glib to say everything follows. You know, uh, particularly in the last year when we had all the unexpected impacts of COVID and so on. But I think that fundamentally that was my learning. It's it's yes. it's all about it's all about culture. it's all about and, all culture. Of, and it's all about the getting the right people um, at, every, at, at every point um, in the organisation. Yes, yes. And, and, and you, you, you've taken that, you know, in life took you next, Liam, to, to London um, yeah. after CSE to, to help Jamie Oliver set up 15, a, a new restaurant, a celebrity chef, TV cameras, lots of young men with criminal records. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Well, well, yeah, it was, I mean, again, just a, a you know, a total out of the blue uh, sort of thing. You know, I, I, I spoke at a conference where I was a kind of sideshow later yeah. on. And Jamie, it was about a year after the first 15 was yeah. opened in London. And that began the sort of the, the, the conversation that led me going down there. And again, one of the things I've learned, Craig, is to not try and predict the future because um, you just you just don't know. Uh, certainly, that's been my um, uh, experience. Anyway, yeah, went went down uh, in my mid forties um, to become the CEO of um, of fifteen, and which a huge uh, huge learning. You know, the first yes. six months, if I'm honest, I talk about anxiety. You know, <laughs> mo moving into moving out of having been a, a big fish in a relatively little pond. Yes, in Liverpool, where I, you know, had ten years behind me of a, an organisation that was just yeah. the way I wanted it, with a great board, great network of friends, and so on. To move down south into London, where it's a tiny fish in a big, big pond in a mm. new industry, 
a very fast moving um, uh, industry, you know, hospitality uh, with, you know, a sort of uh, A-list celebrity um, as the founder and sort mm. of driving spirit um, of, of the organization. And after, after the first six months, I thought, my God, what a mistake I've made. <laughs> really? Honest, honest to God, yeah. Um, what, what, was, what, was, what was most horrendous um, <laughs> in that time? I think um, mo- most horrendous was, I, I think I hugely underestimated the quality of the support system I had around myself in Liverpool. Right. The mentors yeah. I had, yeah. um, the, you know, the, the things you kind of take for granted. Yes. And yes. stop the, seeing the great chair, there. you know, yeah. Yeah, the great chair, the, you know, brilliant people around me that, and, uh, and going down into, you know, to, and it's no secret that, you know, 15 wasn't doing very well. It was losing a lot of money and it was, you know, still really struggling to find its, um, the right culture in order to deliver mm. on uh, uh, Jamie's vision of a, you know, powerful, really great restaurant that put these young people at the centre of it. Yeah. And so, to be honest, really, all all the stuff about, you know, young people coming from troubled backgrounds and trying to integrate those into the culture that was, I mean, you, you could, you know, it was it was challenging, but yeah, I mean, that's what the that's what the mission of the organisation was, and I think was. once we were able to get everyone aligned. The biggest challenge for me was about me, about my leadership, about my belief in myself um, and uh, getting my head around, you know, stuff I'd not done before, like franchising, discovered that there was another one about to open in Amsterdam, (laughs) you know, which meant going over to Amsterdam and meeting two brilliant um, uh, social entrepreneurs, uh, Celia and Kuhn, who, um, who set it up there and were very patient with me, I think, as I bumbled around trying to understand um, what was uh, what was going on but so so that was the biggest thing the, the biggest challenge was just that that kind of entry into a entry unprepared enough into a new business culture um, that was very different from the one that uh, one that I came from and um, yeah it was it was it was really tough I had to it was say. A, a tough and then I, 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 I wondered you know, I'm currently doing a business that's about you know social change called H Impasties. We're 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 training offenders in 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 a but in in a sort of in a customer facing environment. It's quite difficult, I think, to to marry sort of social impact in full on customer settings where you know you've got people who are works in progress because that's what the business is all about, but you've got the kind of full expectations of brilliance that come in in sort of food and service and all of that. Yeah. Did, did, did we find that quite hard? That did you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> really, really, hard. really, really hard. I mean. You know, the people who would come to, so what we didn't want and what no social enterprise wants, that, that it particularly is a, you know, Dutch straight is a, is a consumer brand, you know, retail consumer brand as 15 was. What you don't want is pity purchase. You cannot, you cannot build a successful business on the back of pity purchase. Oh, we'll no. go along once. It was a bit shit, but <laughs> that's okay. It's a social enterprise and they're working with young people. You know, the people that would come to that restaurant were, were uh, and, the, and the four that we ended up having, um, uh, the, they would come in very high expectations. You know, you'd have the, the foodies that would, you know, uh, uh, follow, you know, where, where, the, where the latest, coolest thing was. And they were very unforgiving about the quality if, it was, yeah. if we were off song one night. And then you'd have, you know, uh, people who were, you know, great fans of Jamie who would literally save up for months and come down from, yeah. you know, I, I remember one couple who came Warrington from, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was one couple who came, they came from um, uh, uh, Sunderland yeah. and they were, <laughs> you know, they were in a fancy restaurant in London and it was, it was unfamiliar to them. And, um, you know, uh, and we had to make sure that the, the culture was really welcoming yeah. to the foodies you know who um you know knew what knew their wine and so on yeah, yeah. And, and people who were coming because they liked jamie and they lo- liked the mission yeah um, and and everyone else um, in between and so it was a real it, it was a real challenge and one of the things that um you know i kind of d- discovered in my first sort of three months there where i kind of tried to keep my mouth shut and just travel around the place and talk to people and talk to the chefs and talk to the mm-hmm. waiters and talk to the social welfare people and young people and funders and so on. And I would always ask the question, what is this organization for? Mm, purpose you know, again. What, what yeah. is this organization yeah. for? 
and and I got you know a number of different um, sort of responses. I mean, you know, I'm simplifying now, but on the one hand, you'd have the sort of the more sort of social welfare people who would say what this is about is the transformation of young people and the support of young people who have had very little uh, input in their lives and have experienced all sorts of crap um, because of poverty and inequality and exclusion in the country. And to some extent, you know, the kind of restaurant is a means to an end. um, And it's a kind of, in some cases, a necessary evil. Mm. And then you'd have some of the restaurant professionals who would say, you know, what the reason I'm here is that what we are doing is trying to create chefs, give young people opportunity to become chefs at the top end of the mm. of the of the industry. So quite different and views of purpose. Very very yeah. different views of purpose. And at the end of and and they 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 not you know they you have to have an aligned purpose. And I remember after those first couple of months getting everyone together in in the restaurant and there were probably about I'm guessing about hundred people I suppose the chefs and sommeliers and all, all the people who were involved in it and saying look what we are about is offering young people the opportunity. To, to leave behind the situation that they're in and get into this industry. And in the doing of that, we support, we do all we can in order to address what's getting in the way of that for them. And that yes. might be self-belief and that might, or it might be a, some problem with drink or the criminal justice system or the, you know, there's a gang that won't let them go and that, and that sort of thing. But those are the means to the end. And this will be working... Um, when at the end of every year we're getting a high percentage of these young people graduating and moving on to moving on to jobs not that at the you know end of this year it doesn't really matter whether they graduate or not as long as they've had a empowering um experience now my goal and and i think we got there was to give them all of those sorts of things but the the prize was um, at the end of that, that they would be in a place where they will be able to pursue, if they wanted to, a career at the sort of top end of the yeah. um, the restaurant scene here or here or abroad. And um, and, and that necessitated, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, being part of a first class experience for customers, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 absolutely. I've always been a great believer in that, that if if you want to do it really well you know so mm-hmm. in liverpool we we uh, um we had brilliant and they still do have brilliant facilities you know great warehousing yeah. i went to your warehouse it's a it's a yeah. it's a bloody tidy warehouse it's, it's very a, good. it's a, it's I worked a, in a lot of shitty ones in my time and it was very yes. tidy one well thank you very much sir for that for that comment. and it still is <laughs> i was back there the summer before last and it was it was actually quite moving i mean yeah. it was it was very touching and moving to see that you know that it was it was it was doing so well that culture was there and i think that you know just uh, what i really really liked about 15 was to be you weren't saying to young people oh come along to this okay restaurant and we'll we'll you know we'll show you how to do a mediocre meal with some okay ingredients that wasn't the offer at all the offer was you are in a you know a real yeah, a real restaurant that has a hundred thousand visitors a year, um, and you're working with some of the best chefs in England uh, with fantastic produce. We'll take you to see the where the produce is in Italy, in Cumbria, in uh, all yeah. over the yeah. place. And again, I think the idea was that um, you know sh- really support young people to see what the possibilities could be for their life, yeah. and, and do yeah. all we can. And, and I used to say, you know, very simplistically in some ways, look, you know. We're, for those that were involved in gangs at that time, you know, our, we have a different gang. Yeah. You know, our our yeah. gang won't this abuse is our you. Gang. This is yeah. our gang, and our gang won't abuse you. Our gang won't, um, you know, kill you or, or or disable you. Our gang will open up the world to you. But yeah. we expect you to really step into this and turn up and work hard and all those sorts of things. And for the vast majority of the youngsters who came through, it was uh, it, that that was the experience. And the final one on, on, on 15, Liam, and, and that time, do, do you think that kind of thing, that the 15 model for, for, for doing that kind of a business, do you think it's, 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 got, it's got kind of um, validity as, as, as a way of doing things generally, or do you think it was a beautiful one-off? What's your sort of sense of it as a, as a, as a, as, as, as a, as a means to pursue social business goals? What's your sense, you know? You mean, you mean a luxury restaurant or a top end restaurant? A, a, a top end restaurant. Do you think it was? Do you think this was just like a, a, a beautiful one off, and it took a, a confluence of amazing factors? Yeah, you know, well, Jamie, well, you or, or, or could you do this? Could this be done kind of you know on on a mass scale? Do you think? 
Oh, I, def I definitely think it. I, I definitely think it could be. I mean, you know, the you know, sadly, you know, fifteen went under the year before last. You know, yeah. so it, la it lasted for more more than ten years. Yeah, more, more than the average restaurant. <laughs> more than more, than the, more yeah. than the average restaurant, and you know, um, and obviously, you know, any any business in hospitality at the moment, social business or not, is mm. is, is pondering what it's going to look like. Um, you know, in a in a world now where so much has been shaped by covid and in the future will be shaped by the fear of covid but i absolutely believe um that um these things can be done at scale if you've got the culture right if you've got sufficient yeah. investment um if you've got the right people and everyone is aligned why not you know and i, and I hope actually that one of the you know the positives that will come out of the extraordinary experience that has been going on in the world over the last uh, year will be more focus on purpose-led businesses and will be more focus on you know uh, the uh, on how we support young people upon whom the impact or the negative impacts of covid have fallen yes. disproportionately yes um, so i hope that they'll we'll see lots and lots of um uh, attempts to integrate young people into consumer facing businesses Yes, yes. The the the, sto the story of the impact of the young is still unwritten. I feel um, I would. Uh, we've we've had the story of the deaths, but we haven't really had the the story of the consequences of COVID yet. I think. Oh, I would, uh, I, I would I, concur. I, I, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm, some friends of ours have got you know young people, and you know, uh, it just it's hard. It's it's hard. It's hard to imagine. You know, at my age and, and uh, uh, you know the kind of you know where I am in my life. That you know, w what must it feel like if that path you had ahead of you of you know, college or job or apprenticeship suddenly is is shut off to you yeah. at a time in your life where you know you are anxious. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I was anxious at that age, and I didn't have any social media to make me feel even more uh, <laughs> uh, anxious and um, and sense of um, you know not not being good enough. But so I, I hope that you know. Or, or, so many uh, entrepreneurs and investors and people in the social enterprise world and people beyond that will bring to bear you know the resources that we have in order to support young people in this country we have to we have to so after jamie you did wavelength yeah. at 48 as a startup was this was this a, a brave move or a or, or a bad midlife crisis you know with and i guess with all of the easy gigs you could have taken why a startup liam and 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 why this one that's a really good question i think um there was in no particular order i think there was a sense of you know i've never i've never set up my own company no. uh, as in a company that i i own yes. they were they were always um you know um uh, non-profit models as commercial as we could make yeah, them fundamentally yeah. uh, were non-profit uh, were non-profit distributing models i wanted to see whether i could do that mm. i wanted to um i wanted to make some money yeah um uh you know uh, with with 48 yeah, you're still pretty young but you know you can't pretend you're, you you are yeah. young anymore yeah. and i wanted i was thinking about um uh, my longer term uh, future yeah with regards to the actual um nature of the business i wanted to be able to create something that was you know would last and that would stand on its own feet and demonstrate that bringing together senior leaders from different sectors which you know you mentioned kindly in your introduction covered everything from grameen in bangladesh to you know the the the, the rather strange tech titans of silicon valley and everybody else in between mm. that those people could be brought together as peers and that if we were able to do that the, the 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 sum would be much greater than the parts yeah and i felt that we could get there quicker um and more efficiently if we did it on a um uh you know you, you have to pay for this and there were there were no subsidies yeah. uh, in there at all so there were absolutely the one the, the one bit of subsidy if you call it that is that we had a we had some sponsorship from, oh, it's all coming back now, the, the, from RBS. So the month yeah. that we launched was October 2008, which you remember was oh, when, yes. when it all went down like this. <laughs> and um, so it felt, you know, I mean, to go, to go from a sort of, you know, sitting in fancy restaurants and fancy boardrooms, you know, um, 
talking about an international brand to sitting in my mate's front room, <laughs> not you know, nutting through what the business model would be. What was it was a big was a big change, and not, yes. not without anxiety. Um, but you know, I, 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 I you know, I, I really, really wanted to do it. You know, uh, uh, Maggie was behind me, and I had two great business partners yes. to do it again. You know, the first eight uh, eighteen months, two years are always very hairy. Very yes. hairy. You're trying to work everything out. You know what the what the pricing is, what the margin is, how you articulate um, the the offer. To the very broad range of organisations. Yeah. To, to be clear, the offer. This was a leadership development program for for, for 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 people from all sectors to come together to learn from the very very best examples of what's out there in the world about people, about culture, yeah, exactly. and so on. Yeah. yeah and yeah, our mission, our, our statement was yeah, to change the world for the better through business, and we thought the way to do that is to build a community of leaders from all sorts of different um, backgrounds. Um, to learn together about how to run good businesses and customer service, but also to think deeply about the impact of and the role of business in the world addressing big social issues. And we ran a, 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 a better part of a year's program called Connect, and then we moved into uh, organizing study tours to Bangladesh, to yeah. in, India, to yeah. um, Silicon Valley. And then uh, we, out of that, grew a, uh, I suppose, a sort of consultancy business where we would be asked to create bespoke experiences for particular um, companies. Yeah. And um, yeah, and after a couple of years, it went really well. We decided to just ignore the uh, global crash. And, and, and we did, and we just decided, look, you know, we don't think that the, the, the need for leaders to think thoughtfully about um, the future of business is going to go away. And in fact, in the middle of a you know economic mm. crisis, maybe that is the time um, to do, to do it. it so yeah. I, I think that you know we were we were we were smart in how we put that mis business model together and also you know to be to be honest with you craig you know i was 48 thank you midlife crisis um uh <laughs> my business partners were a bit younger than me they were just turning they were just into their 40s but we we'd all been around the block a few times so mm. we didn't make any sort of stupid errors yes. in terms of you know renting very expensive um offices or investing in um you know, yeah. massive salaries and, and that sort of stuff we, yes. we we made it very very lean we got together a lot of the partner organizations that we'd worked with over the years in logistics yes. and just um event design and said look you know uh, we, we'll pay you what we can yes in this first first year or so you know it, it yeah some of it will be help us risk. out a bit yeah help us out a bit and some of this will be at risk and and you know one of the great um satisfactions that i have about wavelength um was that we were able to for all those people that took a risk with us at the beginning you know individual freelancers as well as some bigger suppliers you know they did very very well um, yes. partnering with us over the 10 years and and, and continues and beyond yeah because it, it continues yes, it continues i left three three years ago and it continues to be you know pivot had to pivot dramatically um as a result of covid but everything i hear is it's going really really well well, I think, and I think there's there's plenty of evidence. I think that older entrepreneurs do it better. There's uh, there's the, it's, it's there reasonably is, I mean, a, reasonably well evidenced. I think. I think it, I think it is well evidenced, and um, uh, I, I think again that's something as a society we're going to have to think about in the same mm. way that we, we need to think about you know, youngsters coming up. I think you know we're going to be an older and older population. There's going to yeah. be I suspect once COVID clears and the you know the smoke of the furlough scheme etc. and government support mm. goes away. One would hope that it wouldn't be the case. Lots of people are going to lose their jobs. I think it, it may well be the case. What are, what, what are those people um, going to do? 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 Uh, yeah. And I think that, you know, for some, creating their own business is, is the way to go. And you do have more resources sort of in yourself to draw on. You've probably got quite a strong network. Yes. Um, you've probably made a few bulls ups um, uh, <laughs> yeah. in your time, yeah. or in my yeah. case, many, um, which you can then draw on to... Um, uh, 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 ensure that you have a, a better chance of success than whether maybe when you were you were younger and you had none of that experience to draw on. Yeah, yeah. I, I started my private my private um, enterprise story at about forty, and it, it, it definitely helped having done it before. And um, and 
I, I wouldn't. I think I would have kind of fallen over my laces far more times had had I done it at thirty or or or, or, or twenty in terms of the, you know, it's, the private side of business. Yeah, you know? it's, and, I'm I'm I'm, like, you I'm, think, know, I'm thinking it. about this a lot at the moment because I'm you know this in this writing I'm trying to do. You know, one one of the gloves off mentoring. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that you know I, I work a lot with with the people that I mentor and, and think about a lot myself is, you know, why do we do the things that we do? Hmm. you know what 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 is that what is at the root of it and i think that from my experience so i'm in my 60s now my understanding of why i was doing what i was doing in my 20s 30s 40s 50s god help us um is very different than it was hmm. at the time yeah. you know i think if you, yeah. if you if we'd been having this conversation in my 20s when i was very involved in sort of anti-racist politics hmm. i was hmm. fundraising for you know uh, South Africa and going to South Africa quite a bit. If you if if you'd asked me, Liam, why are you doing this? Mm. I you know I'd have given you an answer that kind of drew on my faith, liberation theology, you know, Gustavo Gutierrez and Leonardo Boff and pe- people like that. Yeah. Um, as well as you know the Noam Chomsky's and Saul Alinsky's um, of the world, and there would have been probably a, a big bright green splash of Irish republicanism as well. And there's no no doubt that those things were. Uh, you know, were, were in there and were driving me and a, and a you know, strong um, desire to, you know, to, to change the world, yeah. to, to yeah. change the world and overturn injustice. However, looking <laughs> back now, mm-hmm. that, a lot of that is true, but I also see uh, a very anxious, um, somewhat confused young man, mm. uh, me, uh, who I think was also trying to send a message out to his long absent father. Look at me, mm. Dad. Uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah. look, look, look at what, look at what I've done. Now, at the time, I could never have had that insight. I don't think it. No, I, 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 I wouldn't. But there's no doubt that um, uh, that was definitely part um, of it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, um, your insight into yourself, one would hope, would get better. But you know, as Soren Kierkegaard said, that old you know, um, existentialist, existentialist who I loved reading. He spoke, he spoke very much to me when I was mm. doing philosophy at um, college. You know, he said that the truth of life is, is it has to be lived forward, but can only be understood backwards. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. there's a huge amount of truth. Yeah. There's a huge amount of truth in there. And there's a lot of legend making, we, a lot of stuff we make up as well about what, you know, why we did what we did and how those things are um, uh, connected. Yes. Um, and you know, as I say, in the mentoring I do with, and I'd say the sort of average age of the person I mentor is sort of early forties. Yeah. Um, you know, there's we do a lot of, you know, what is your purpose? How you know, how do you understand yourself? You know, um, what what are the things that um, you know we we could work on to make sure that the next phase of your career or your business or whatever it is is as successful as possible building on what you've learned in the past but yes. no doubt no and, and i think the reason why i suppose there is a reason why people you know choose mentors often who are older than them mm. is that there may be a bit more insight you know j- j- simply because you've been around longer yes into the complexities and contradictions uh, of trying to understand who we are and why we do what we do Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing this doctorate at the moment. And one of the main sort of things we're being asked to do is to kind of try and try and get a grip on why we did, why we did, why, why we did our things when we did them. And uh, yeah. And, it, and it's, 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 it's a, it's a wonderful invitation on many, in many respects. Yeah, to, well, make to sure, make, yeah, but make sure you don't disappear at yourself. You know, I think yes. that there's, there's a limit to introspection uh, and, and stuff. And there's a, you know, um, uh, there's, I think what separates people like you from lots of, you know, um, what you might call the entrepreneurs, you know, the people who say, oh, one of these days I'm going to make do a business or I'm going mm. to start this organization, but who never do. Never do. Yeah. One, of, one of the things that separates people like you is your willingness to jump into the unknown. Mm. Like, okay, I haven't got all that. I, I think that it, the, the jumping into the unknown when you start something up yourself, um, it, the, the thing that is, is, is it's not, it's, it's doing that when there are good reasons not to do it yes not when there yeah. are bad reasons not to do it there are a lot there are all sorts about you know liam your crap don't do it is a really you know but but you know don't do it because it might put your house at risk or don't do it because if it fails 
then your reputation is shot or don't do it because look there's a job offer over there why don't you take that craig and you could be a perfectly good ceo what what is what is it that's in people like you that makes you jump um i don't know you know, it goes back to it goes back to daddy, I think a bit like you, you know, it's I think it's want, wanting to <laughs> prove something to daddy or, or I running think. away, running away from daddy. Oh, my God, here's a clear final jump off it. But <laughs> I think that I think that, you know, that, you know, again, I've mentored people that have stood on the edge of that cliff and saying, do I do I do I jump or not? Um, Liam? Mm. And mm. Uh, in some ways, it's kind of if you have to ask that question, you're probably not going to do it. Mm. Uh, you know, usually if you are going to jump, I usually get the old oh, Christly. I've jumped, and I'm not sure whether I'm <laughs> flying or falling. Can you help me? You know. So um, yeah, I, I think that you know we, we let's not overanalyze things um, too much. But again, the reason why one would jump, um, I think, will look different depending on um, well whether you fly or fall for sure, but also the age at which you are um, having a perspective on that experience. And, and just, just holding with this for a second, Liam, you know, accepting that everybody has different motivations and drivers to why they jump, we, we recognise that we're talking about a very small cohort of people that do. Is there anything, do you think, that that small cohort has in common, in, you know, or is different about them in, to the rest of the population? Is, this, is, there, is there a strand in people who jump? I think, I think there is. I think, I mean, I jokingly put a footnote in my A to Z social entrepreneur to z uh, book a few years ago um that you know sh- show me a social a male social entrepreneur and i'll show you a a, a man with daddy issues you know <laughs> i think i think there is there's, there's definitely some something in there um whether someone has suffered at the hands of their father or they you know they they they, they, they feel they have to prove something so there's, there's definitely something like that going on but you know many entrepreneurs are, are not are not blokes with dodgy dads I think there is something. There is something about wanting to prove something to the world, or parents, or oneself. There's definitely a sort of bloody-mindedness about, you know, um, I, I'm going to do this, as well as there being a, um, uh, you know, if you are really driven to, you know, I think of some of the companies that we invest in at, um, you know, uh, Lightrock. You know, there are people who just want to demonstrate that, um, you know, they can improve the situation of people with mental health struggles or yes. women who are breastfeeding. Or, or, so, or, so, so, so perfectly psychologically well-adjusted yeah, yeah, I think individuals we just, can, yeah. can become entrepreneurs. Uh, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying that you, know, you have to be, uh, you have to be uh, a, a very strange person um, uh, to do it. Not, not but it all, helps. Not at all. <laughs> but I think there's, there's some sort of grit in the oyster. There's some yeah. sort of, there's, there's something there. And that's certainly, that's certainly my personal experience when I look at people like, you know yourself and many of the other social entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs that i've had the the good fortune um to be around yeah 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 thanks thanks Liam. and uh, we're gonna i'm just move the conversation on to to impact investing which is a big big part of your life now some people think it's all a bit of a bit bit of a con with social for um social for good you know wanting to invest in social for good while still expecting a kind of bumper return on our money. What's your, what's your read on this? Because um, it's, it's come up the inside in, in the last few years of social investing, hasn't it? And yeah, it, there's, there's, there's people who are, who are gin it, people who are for it. What, what's, what's your personal view of this? Is it, can, it, can we do both? Can we do good and, and, and change the world in, with our investing? I presume you think we can. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think that we can. Uh, with some caveats. Yeah. So the caveats would be that um, the idea that well, let, let so we get our terms straight. You yeah. know, I mean, the, social investment, impact investment covers quite a big spectrum, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. From, from what so, to what? Yeah. From from very very light impact. From very to very from very what? very light touch. You know, social investment meaning you know a kind of easy loan, which I'm not being pejorative about. That's that's absolutely fine if that's what you need to at the other end where it's live or die in a competitive market um, and you need investment in order to um, scale and compete yeah. uh, and so on. Now, my experience has been um, in, in the last uh, seven or eight years has been very much down the 
uh, impact investment end where it's you know it's equity investments um, uh, yes. where there is expectation that uh, not only will there be ver- verifiable social impact yes uh, that there will also be you know um, uh, returns so the funds that I'm involved in is called impact ventures UK mm. which was created by a man called Richard Brass who was mm. a client of mine um, at wavelengths and he came at that point he was working for Schroeder's bank mm. and he came to Bangladesh with us and I, and I don't think it's you know, romantic, romantic or hyper, uh, hyperbolical to say that he had a real epiphany there. Mm. And he sat with Yunus, Muhammad Yunus, the banker to the poor. Yes. And, and Yunus said to him, uh, we were having lunch, the three of us, and Yunus said to him, so what do you do, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> and Richard kind of, oh, well, um, <laughs> Professor Yunus, I'm a private wealth manager. And so Yunus says, so you understand how money and relationships work? And mm. he went, yeah, I do. Uh, that's, yeah, that's what I do. And he said, well, why don't you make that work for good in the world? Mm. And at the end of the week, I got everyone to stand up and went, you know, forced everyone to say, what are we going to do differently here? Because, Mm. you know, I was determined it wasn't going to be sort of poverty tourism where we'd Mm. all be, you know, kind of... um, Yeah, going on saying, oh, that was wonderful. And then doing bugger all. Yeah, the poor, you know, they're they're so lovely, all these Grameen ladies. and Oh, they are really... It's so amazing the way they struggle. (laughs) It is, but unless... You know, we do something as a result of them uh, um, taking the time to open their lives to us. It is bullshit and it is, it's just tourism and voyeurism. So I got everyone to stand up and say, what are we going to do differently? And Richard said, I'm going to create a fund to invest in entrepreneurs who want to change the world. Mm-hmm. And we all went, and remember, this is, this is, this is over 10 years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, where that was like, what? You're going to do what? <laughs> um, and he did. And, um, you know, the fund, it's a small fund, 40, 40 million, 10, mm-hmm. 10 year capital growth fund. And our investors are interesting. So 10 year capital growth funds, people invest, institutions yeah. invest in our fund. Yes. We then invest in impact businesses. Yeah. They they hopefully grow and excel and have good good impact mm. and are commercially successful. They pay us back uh, the money with a return, and then we pay back um, with a return our investors. Now, yes. one of our one and we take this really seriously. So, one of mm. our investors in that fund is Waltham Forest Pension Fund. Yeah, the council's yeah. fund, right? So they've yeah. got they've put yeah. uh, some some money. They want, they want six percent a year, don't they? And they mm-hmm. want they yeah. want their money back because that is the fund that is going to pay. The bin men and the dinner ladies yeah. and the, yeah. all the people that are, uh, are are looking forward to their hard-earned uh, pension from the city council when they uh, uh, when they retire, and so um, what we tried to do, what Richard tried to do, with the little help that I gave him, was say, could you create a fund where all the way along the chain value is being added? Mm-hmm. Even with your even with your uh, um, investors, so uh, um, you know we were delighted when uh, Walter Forest came aboard. I'm not sure whether they they certainly were at the time. I'm genuinely not sure whether they still are the first sort of institutional money like that that came into a fund mm-hmm. uh, like us. But you know, I remember when uh, I saw the I saw the check, as it were, thinking mm-hmm. gulp gulp. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is this is main, this, mainstream. This yeah. is serious shit. Now we, yeah. we need to yeah. make sure that um, that this works. So so and so so that's the fund, and we're in the final sort of all the money's gone out now, um, and some of it's come back, and there's uh, there's been I mean, some of this is obviously confidential. I can't give you the numbers, Craig, right now, but in the fullness of time we will. Um, uh, but the aim is that the we're in the last three years of the fund now with a view yes. then to you know making the portfolio work. And to the question, is it possible? to create scaling, commercially viable uh, businesses that have a big impact? So far, the answer is yes. It's yes. The answer is yes. And um, uh, I'm not, and, and again, it's definitely yes. And at the moment, we are, you know, we are confident that at the end of this 10 years, we will have a really interesting story to tell about this portfolio. Now, who, who knows what's going to happen in the in those three years, anything can happen. But at the moment, um, uh, 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 we're in a good place. What I am not saying is that that is the route for every um, organization that is wanting to um, change the world. I think yes. it will be really horses for courses. And yes. I think I think it has changed a bit now. But certainly, you know, a few years ago, it was kind of, you know, the new theology was that, you know, impact investment was 
the be all and the end all. It yes. absolutely. Ronnie absolutely, Cohen. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is not. But mm. also, it's it's important to say it's really early days. Mm-hmm. It's really early days um, with this, and you know, I remember getting some stick from uh, people in the social enterprise uh, world about being involved with the likes of um, you know LGT and Berenberg Bank mm. and, and all these kind of you know hardcore you know, yeah. commercial businesses. And I remember having a big old row with someone. I, I won't name the person. A big whole round saying, and it was, what are, you, what are you doing, Liam? You know, wasting your time with people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was saying, well, if by people like that, you mean people who are becoming interested in how capital can be mobilized in order to address some of the biggest issues that we face as a world, I'm all for it. I think mm-hmm. we should really be engaging with these people because the, the sums of money, the pools of capital, as they say, that are out there that are available mm-hmm. are dwarf. I mean, yes. it's not. I mean, I can't think yeah. of a word. It's just like if that's what's available to you know uh, the voluntary that, sector. The voluntary yeah. sector. I haven't got enough big enough room in the screen um, to do that. To, Again, yeah. hasten to add. I'm not saying everyone needs to be compelled to do that. What I'm saying is, for those who have the business models, those who have the, the you know, who are, oh, we're in a place where they're able to take those sorts of investment. What I have seen by my involvement in companies like Together All, which is one of these companies that um, IV UK um, invests in, LV, um, Ori, which is a uh, yeah. company that works with people with eating disorders, which is pioneering a new approach um, uh, to that. Homes for Good, uh, yes. with the inestimable yeah. Susan Actimel up in Yeah, Arco. she's coming on. She's coming on at some stage. She's coming you to must, the social you, kitchen table. You, you yeah, must, yeah she's, she's way better than I am. She's marvellous. She is marvellous. But, you know, we exited from there. A big issue invest came in, came in behind us. So we had a successful exit. Um, she's been able to scale her business, help lots more uh, vulnerably housed people. Yes. And we've been able to uh, take, take our money out and we'll be able to pay back um, our investors uh, uh, everyone, everyone is uh, everyone is a winner. Yes. we've had some failures. Absolutely, we've had some failures. I think in the first couple of years, we as we were trying to get our heads um, around how this works. But all portfolios, you know, yeah, who doesn't who doesn't have failures? Yeah. So we've had some failures. We've had some things that we'll you know we'll we'll wait and see how it goes. Yes. But 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 for the um, for for the majority of the companies that have been in that portfolio. Not only the money, but the access to supply chains, the leadership support, the coaching, yes. the mentoring, the people sitting on boards, the connections with new investment has been remarkable. So if you take yes. to get together all mental health business that I am super honored to be involved mm-hmm. with, you know, we, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ivy UK uh, stepped in about five five years ago, um, and the company has grown. And then in October, we took another ten million from uh, FPE, um, and you know, the sort of mu- the multiplier effect yes. of what Ivy UK has been able to do. And obviously, in the fullness of time, there'll be lots of analysis of that what that money has been able to, you know, leverage um, out of the system. So I, I think that it absolutely will be part of the future. What I don't, what I really hope is it doesn't become uh, the sort of uh, an orthodoxy mm. that if, if you want to do any good in the world, you have to go down the impact investment line. That's about that's as, that is as stupid as saying, you know, comparing Unilever to the guy who cleans my windows. They're both in the private sector. Yes, but you know, private equity or venture capital. It's completely not what you know a small uh, window cleaning shop, business in. Window yeah. cleaning what? That's yeah. what that's what you know larger yeah. companies need because they need large pools of capital. So I think it will forever be you know horses for courses. But I I, I, I tell you what I am really encouraged by though Craig, mm. what what the existence of these more and more funds like Ivy UK has done yes. is yes. is bringing into the conversation about business and social change yes characters who just were not involved in that you know again you know um some of the businesses i'm involved with when we've been recruiting senior leadership literally had never heard of the phrase social enterprise right the you know because they come from a very different part of the um, economy but are they driven by the same sort of passion 
to deploy their skills and experience in business models that can affect With change at scale. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. they are. And I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a believer in, you know, let a thousand flowers bloom. Yes. And, you know, the more, the more diverse in all senses of that um, uh, 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 sector that we have, or economy yes. um, that we have, absolutely the better. And if I've been able to play a tiny role in helping to bring that about, then that's a, that's that's a job well done. Tell us a little bit, Liam, about this upcoming book on mentoring, the gloves off mentoring. Uh, you've mentioned it a couple of times. Just just t- t- I read I read an excerpt you kindly sent me about Chen, um, who's one of the people you're mentoring. T- yeah. t- t- tell me a little bit more about about what. Tell t- tell listeners a bit more about yeah. what the book's all about and about Chen a bit more. Well, um, I'll tell you about the, I'll tell you about the book. So the um, the the book came out as a sort of COVID um, yeah. thing, I suppose. In that, you know, in uh, uh, well, for, for for certainly in that first three or four months after lockdown last year, and but yeah. but but generally throughout the whole thing, I have spent an enormous amount of time on this screen talking <laughs> to uh, the people who pay me to mentor them as well as many, many others, people uh, who don't who got in touch and said, Liam, look, I'm really struggling, or I could do with some advice. Um, uh, uh, um, can I talk to you? And then, you know, again, I think one of the brilliant things about, um, you know, this technology, Zoom mm-hmm. technology, mm-hmm. as well as being at home a lot more, is, is you are actually more available to people. And I, yeah. and I, and I, took, I took advantage of that and have had some, you know, re- to renew some old relationships, to fix mm-hmm. some old relationships, um, as well as to support the people who want me some advice or mentoring um, uh, from me. And um, one of the people I mentor um, didn't take my advice um, and texted me after an absolute car crash of a board meeting <laughs> saying, saying, Liam, didn't take your advice, need some of your gloves off mentoring, phone me. And I thought, okay. So the idea, the idea of the book is to look mm. at some, some, some of the issues, you know, mental health, imposter syndrome, purpose, um, you know, asking about the why, uh, culture, all of those big issues that everyone runs up against. And just through the prism of some of the people that I've worked with, as yes. well as my own experience, to give some really blunt insight, advice, take the gloves off, don't dress it up, you know, just be just be honest with people about, you know, where, where I've got it right, where I've got it wrong, and the advice I've given to um uh, to the people I work with. And, you know, um, Chen uh, Mao is a woman I met at the Stephen Lloyd Awards. Um, yes. Uh, Stephen was a, a lawyer, well-known, I'm sure, to many of yes. who he died way too soon and very tragically. Mm. And we helped set up the Stephen Lloyd Awards in his honour. And every year um, we give we give money and support and, you know, to, away to uh, people who are doing, um, who have social enterprise ideas that mm. are in, in alignment with what Stephen was really into. I met Chen uh, at the one the year before last. She didn't win, but we we we, we hooked up, and I yeah. you know, gave my business card. And so she's creating a, a, an app called Latchade, which is to help women breastfeed who have trouble latching, which yes. leads to all sorts of depression and yes. uh, and so on. Yes. And what we what I and she's just been named one of Innovate UK's. It's kind of um, role models of the year in Marvelous. innovation. In fact, just amazing. So, I would encourage everyone to to Google Chen Mao Davis on Innovate UK. And what really struck me about Chen is a brilliant idea. She's an Oscar winner, did like you know, yeah. software engineer, won an Oscar for her work on um, uh, with a team on um, Gravity and the the, the last um, uh, uh, the last um, Blade Runner film. I mean, amazing. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. talent! Came to this country, didn't speak any English, put herself to university, got her doctorate. I mean, just phenomenal. Mm. And then decides that she's going to create a tech business to support women all over the world. Amazing. Mm. Yes. And, you know, got to get uh, behind that. <laughs> yeah, you really do have to get behind that. Uh, so at the moment, you know, I'm helping her. We'll be going out to try and raise some money um, uh, for, for the business. But what has really struck me, uh, alongside her extraordinary talent and intelligence and technical skill, has been her willingness to step into the unknown that, that mm. you know doesn't not a businesswoman by background you know didn't regard herself as an entrepreneur just yeah. she wanted to do the right thing for women and deploy some of her skills so 
so you know in the book i you know uh, uh we we talk about you know the, the work that we did together what we learned um together and, the, and, and so the book is will be populated by you know um some people who can happy to use their name other people where you know we have to change, change it the, yeah his names to protect the innocent um so that, so that's what the book is about and i hope people will and it's short and it's punchy and i hope people will read it and in the same way that like, i think people read the a to z of social entrepreneurs which i loved yeah thank you very much yeah. um uh, that it's you know I, i've got this theory that people don't read long thick business books I think there's a few people. I mean, I, 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 I don't know if you do what I do. If you see a book that's come out, you flick to the index and see if your own name's in it. And if it's, <laughs> and, if, and if it's not, you go, yeah, what, whatever. But you know, I think, you know, I, I think people don't have a lot of patience or time to read very thick books. And I certainly don't have the patience or the time to write one. So I hope that you know people will react to that this book, which I hope to get out this year. Yes. In the way that they reacted to the A to Z, which is you know, direct, some humor, um, and speaks directly to the real issues that people are seeing within their own organizations. Yes, yes. And later, we've got some quick final questions, Liam. Yeah. And they, they, these are kind of quick fires. So, you, right. you, and it, so it's uh, short answers only on this one. Okay. So who is your hero and why? I don't have heroes, uh, uh, but I have people who I admire and have had a, uh, an influence on me. And I, can I pick two? Yeah. I pick, I pick my grandmother, Julia mm. O'Donoghue, who mm -hmm. came from absolute nothing in rural Kerry uh, to create the family, the platform upon which I've been able to survive and thrive. And the other person will be David Bowie. Ah, marvellous. And what is the thing you're proudest of beside your family? I think the thing that I'm proudest of beside my family is that some of the organisations that I have loved most uh, in my career are still there and that I played mm. some part in creating the the culture which has allowed them to um, uh, you know get through all the ups and downs of running any sort of organization yeah and thank you and finally what's the most important thing single most important thing that you've learned along the way look after your teeth and feet <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm serious about that. Um, uh, I would, uh, the th thing that I learned is, I mean, I, I wrote a, a thing for my 60th birthday. Uh, yeah. Things, like, and I quote in there Gil Scott Heron, the yes. American, American singer, yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. And in, and you know, he has sort of he came back from you know drug addiction and being out of the limelight for ages. And um, he wrote he wrote a song, and in it, it's got the line. No, ma no matter how far wrong you've gone, you can always turn around. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's the lesson that life has told me. It's, it's never really over till it's over, and you always have some choice to turn it around, particularly if you've made a balls up of it. Liam Black, um, thank you for being the very first guest. It's been absolutely marvellous. Best of luck with the book, and um, maybe we'll see you again before too long. Uh, peace, love and profit, brother. <laughs>